Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. We're going to study over the next um, several weeks, Jesus. Now, really, every week we study Jesus, because you can find Jesus on the page of every um, chapter of the Bible. But in particular, we're going to look at Jesus through the eyes of John as he wrote the Gospel of John. And we're going to walk with the disciples as they walked with Jesus so that we can learn how to be better disciples ourselves. I think you're going to find this to be a fascinating study as we work together to try to get to know Jesus better. And in preparation for that, what I want you to do is I want you to think for a moment and just ponder your own heart. I want to ask you a question that I want you to think about this morning. What are your two top stressors in your life? The two top things that are challenges for you that bother you, that put pressure on your life. Some of you already know what they are. They just come quickly because you know they're stressors in your life. But for others, they are, you know, I don't know. Maybe you've got to think about it. For Maybe there's a financial pressure you're dealing with. Maybe there's a, a relationship challenge that you're experiencing. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe there's a specific uh, need that you have, a habit that you have that you're working on. Maybe there's a, uh, a person who's suffering that you're caring for or that you're concerned about, or maybe in your own body you've got some stuff going on. Pause for a moment. Just think about two stressors in your life. Because I believe that as we walk with Jesus, we're going to see that he's the one who provides for us and cares for us. In very practical ways, he helps us. Now I want to test you. I want to ask this question. How are you allowing your faith in Jesus to affect those stressors that are in your life? Now, when I use the word test, we can use it three ways in Scripture. One is it's a pass or fail test. Are you a Christian or not a Christian? Are you going to heaven or not going to heaven? That's one way that we use the word test. But there's also this idea to remind or reveal. I think that's how I'm asking the question now. Just to remind us that Jesus is the answer for the stress points in our lives. That we come to Jesus and he's the one who helps us address all the challenges that we experience. And then, of course, there's the other use of the word test, which is to strengthen or refine us. That's another way that the word test is used in the Bible. But I think today, as we look at the, the Gospel of John, and over the next several weeks, we're going to be reminded of some certain things in our lives, and we need to be able to allow them to affect us in very personal ways, even the stress experiences that we're experiencing right now. We're going to look at the Gospel of John. Now, the Gospel of John is very different from the other Gospels. And the Gospel of John has different characters, different stories, in the Gospel of John, we don't have the, the battle with the demons. We don't have uh, prophecies about the end times in the book of John. Most of the stories in the book of John take place in, in Judea, whereas in the other Gospels, they take place in Galilee for the most part. John has different kinds of stories that are going Do you know in the Gospel of John, there are no parables as there are in the other Gospels? 
There are these conversations, these very intimate conversations he has with a number of people, and from those conversations, we get little sermonettes. We get little ideas and lessons that we can take and apply to our lives. John's gospel was written about 50 years after the other gospels were written. John's an older guy now. He's an old man, and he's thinking back, and he's saying, okay, I'm going to write about this, uh, this Jesus. I'm going to write about him, and I have a reason I'm going to write that's different maybe from the others. In fact, John tells us what that reason is actually in his book. And I want to go to John chapter 20 where these verses, two verses, describe why he wrote this book. And I want you to stand with me, if you would, as I read these verses because they really describe the purpose of John's gospel. So in honor of God's word, we stand. It says here, now Jesus did many other signs in the midst, in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Many others that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. By believing you might have life in his name. You may be seated. When we say life here, we're talking certainly about the life that Nicodemus in John chapter 3 experienced. This is the new life, being born again, that Jesus talks about. In John chapter 3. But in John chapter 11, he's talking about abundant life, that a life we can enjoy now that's rich and full, that helps us even in the midst of our stress and the challenges that we experience to experience the vitality of Jesus. It, when we come to Jesus, we experience something much more. We enjoy him in ways that, that we never did before. You know, we, we have these tests in our lives that remind us of things, but, you know, sometimes the challenges in our lives, they go away when we pray. We call them miracles. And we pray that God would take something away. I'm always amazed when an alcoholic says, I've lost the desire to drink now. God has taken that away, and I go, wow, that is a miracle. Or when I hear about someone who got healed, and I go, wow, God took away that disease from them. I go, man, that's amazing. That's one thing that God does with our challenges. He does miracles. There's another thing he does sometimes is that they go away slowly. God calls that process sanctification, where he grows us to develop the inner strength, the inner character in the midst of the challenge we have. It doesn't go away quickly. It goes away slowly, and God does a miracle in that way, but he's doing something deeper inside of our hearts to build the integrity we need in life. And so the alcoholic might say, I'm just working so hard to battle with that desire to drink. He's wrestling. It's the sanctification that we need where God grows us in the midst of the challenges that we face. And then there are those kind of challenges that we experience that don't go away for whatever reason. Sometimes Christians suffer, and those things don't go away. Yet God, in the midst of all of that, does something deep within our hearts so that we can get to know him more, so that other people can look and say, look at that person suffering and look at how joyful they are. Look at that person struggling and look at the peace they have. That sometimes, for whatever reason, the brokenness of our world that we live with challenges and we allow God to provide for us in the midst of that. There's one story that's repeated in all four Gospels, just one, one miracle that's in all four Gospels, and we're going to look at that today. It's as if the Bible's saying in this quadraphonic sound, listen to this miracle. 
Don't forget this one. All of the writers want us to be able to look at this particular miracle because this is really important, and that's what we're going to see as we open the Bible in John chapter 6. So as the, as the stage curtain, curtain rises, we're going to be in the middle of the story of John. And you might ask, why are we starting in John chapter 6? Why are we doing chapter 6 to 12? I wish I could tell you there was a profound theological, biblical reason for that, but there isn't. The reality is that Pastor Emmons taught chapters 1 to 5, and then he taught the Upper Room Discourse, chapters 13 to 18, and left chapters 6 to 12 untaught at that point. And so Don said, why don't you fill that in and teach that? I said, okay. So that's the profound reason that we're teaching from John chapter 6 to 12. But the reality is if we jump into the middle of the story, we can start walking with Jesus right away, and we can see what Jesus is doing. John chapter 6, it starts this way. After this, Jesus went away. Well, we got to pause right there because what's the this? Well, the nice thing is the same story is taught in all four Gospels. So if you look at the other Gospels, you can see that there was a tragedy that took place. John the Baptist was killed. And Jesus, he says, we got to get away, guys. Let's get away for a little bit here. So after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Let's, Let's go across. Let's get away from the crowds. Let's go across the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is a, the lowest freshwater lake in the world. It's 700 feet below sea level. Here's a map of the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you lived in Israel, you would say, even if you were Jerusalem, in Jerusalem down south, you would say this, let's go down to Galilee. And you're saying, why would you say go down to Galilee when it's north? Well, that's because Jerusalem's about 2,500 feet above sea level. It's kind of cool, especially in the summer. It's very nice. Kind of cold in the winter. But if you're going to go down to Galilee, it's going to be hot down in Galilee, 700 feet below sea level. The lowest place on earth is the Dead Sea, and the Sea of Galilee runs down into the Dead Sea. It's the lowest place on earth. But the Sea of Galilee, it has these mountains around it. You can kind of see this. In our story today, we're going to be up in Bethsaida, up toward the top. You see that at the top there. Here's a picture of the Sea of Galilee today. You can see the mountainous areas all around the Sea of Galilee. It's really that when the wind comes through those mountain passes, it can churn up that water. And we'll talk about some of the storms that take place on the Sea of Galilee. But today we're going to talk about a mountain, that he goes up on this mountain. And you can see a picture of maybe that same mountain that he went up to uh, on Bethsaida there. It says, They went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So you can imagine in that picture that Jesus got in a boat and he's crossing over the Sea of Galilee, or it's often called the Sea of Tiberias after the emperor. He's crossing over to the other side, and the crowds are seeing him. That's the one who healed us. That's the one who can heal people. Let's go around. And so there's big crowd gathering as they're going across the top of the Sea of Galilee to get to where Jesus is and where he's going to land. Jesus is going to try to get away and spend some time alone. It says, verse 3, he went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. The Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Where are we going to buy the bread that we need in order for this to work, he says. Now, 
the other Gospels remind us or tell us about this story too. They, they tell us that there are some other things going on. There's a dialogue happening between Jesus and his disciples. Actually, the disciples are feeling a bit anxious here. They've got a stressor in their lives right now. How are we going to feed these people, they say to Jesus. In fact, McDonald's is closed. Burger King's too far away. Uh, Chick-fil-A hasn't started up yet. And we've got to send these people away to get some food, they say. Now, Jesus takes this stressor and he turns it back over to Philip. And he says, Philip, where are we going to find the food for these people. What are we going to do about this problem? Philip, I want you to take this problem on. I want you to deal with this in your own life here. See, I think Jesus does this a lot in our lives. I, th I think he works with the crowds, but he also works with the individuals. Jesus loves these crowds. He's going to have compassion on them, but he also works with the individuals. We see this over and over in the Bible, that God works with the groups, but he also works with the individuals. You remember the story of Jonah? God wants the Ninevites to experience repentance, and he chooses Jonah to send out to these people. But Jonah has a problem. So God says, okay, Ninevites, you're going to have to wait until I get this one guy squared away a little bit. And so he works with Jonah to help him get his heart in the right place so he can go do the work. God is concerned about the individuals because it's these individuals that often experience some really important things in their lives, and God wants to do these valuable things inside of our own hearts. What is God going to do in Philip's heart? Look at the next verse. It says, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was to do. I think this is the test of reminding or revealing. That's what he's going to do. He's going to remind or reveal something about himself. The point of this particular miracle that's going to take place is that Jesus is the provision for our stress points. That Jesus has the provision that's much bigger than we could ever imagine, and it's one of those we're going to take home and apply to our own lives this week. He said this to test him, for he knew already what he was going to do. I think it's one of those reminder-reveal tests. He's going to show Philip something uh, different than he'd ever seen before. Now, each of us, when we come to stress, have our own ways of dealing with it, we, own ways of viewing it, own, our own ways of trying to understand it. Philip was concerned about the money. Oh, maybe you know some people. They get under stress and they say, oh, boy, this is going to cost us a lot. Oh, boy, I don't, look at my bank account. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. There's some people who look at the money. That's what Philip represents in this story. He says, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. We do not have enough money. This is going to cost a lot. I think sometimes we get distracted and we don't see the provision of God. What are the distractions that take us away from seeing God's provision or the things he wants to do? In this case, Philip's looking at the money. He's different than Andrew. Andrew's the next guy on the scene. Notice it says one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he's going to have a different problem. He's going to look at how big the problem is. Do you know that sometimes the provision of God comes disguised as a problem? That sometimes the challenges, the stressors in our lives are really an opportunity for us to see the provision of God in ways we never imagined? Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many. In other words, we're going to talk about the five barley loaves and the boy and the fish in just a moment. But Peter's saying, I mean, Andrew's saying, but this problem is too big. Have you ever said that to God? God, this problem is so big. I'm going to hold back a little bit. I'm going to try to be anxious about this. Maybe that'll solve the problem. 
But God wants to show us that even in the midst of our stress points, he is the provision. It is when we come to Jesus that we are able to receive so much. Jesus is the answer to the question. I don't care what the question is. Jesus is the answer to the question. And we want to come to him. We want to receive that from him. And we're going to see that in this story today. I love stories in the Bible that have to do with children. This is just one of them. There are many of them. I, I like the one in, in uh, Samuel. You remember when Samuel was just a little boy? He was in the home of Eli or the, in the temple area where Eli the priest was, and, and God started to talk to him and call him. And he learned how to follow instructions, and, and God began to speak. I think children learn how to follow instructions in their home so they can learn how to follow instructions from God instead of saying, wait till I get to the next level before we follow instructions. No, we follow instructions right now, and, and Samuel's learning that in that home or in that temple area with Eli. He learns to listen to God. I think about the young girl who, who came to the door when Peter escaped from prison. He goes to the house where everybody is, and the young girl's there, opens a little peephole and says, hey, Peter's outside the door, and they're all in a prayer meeting. You know what they're doing? They're praying that Peter would be rescued, and they say to the young girl, they say, uh, don't bother us with that. We're praying for Peter that he'll get rescued. I think sometimes God reveals spiritual truths to us through children. Isn't that powerful? I just think that's so great. And now we have this story of this little boy who's going to be used of God to provide in a powerful way for all of these crowds. I wonder what this boy was like. What, what happened to him when he first started? I wonder if that morning it went something like this. He gets up and he's getting ready and he sees the people start moving around. He says, Mom, Mom, I, those guys are, I just found out one, those guys are going to see Jesus. I want to go see Jesus. And Mom says, you didn't have your breakfast yet. Said, no, come on, Mom, I want to go. Okay, well, here, take a piece of bread. In fact, here, you better take a bunch of bread. Take five loaves and two fish. You're going to need it. Maybe it was in some kind of a basket like this. Just a small basket. I don't know what it was. He must, I don't think he had a lunch pail. He must have had some kind of a basket. And it must have been obvious that there was food in it because Andrew's going to look at it and say, hey, there's some food there. Maybe we can use that. Just a small basket this guy took for a little lunch. And he goes off to find Jesus. I wonder what, what uh, Andrew said to him to get his lunch from him. <laughs> I wonder if he said something like this. Maybe he said, hey, I noticed you have some food there. Jesus is looking for food to feed these people. Would you like to meet Jesus? And the, the boy says, yeah, I'd like to meet Jesus. So he meets Jesus, and that smile of Jesus, I'm sure, just um, entrapped this boy, and he just says, okay, I'll give you my lunch, Lord. What are you going to do with that? Just a little basket, just a little bit that he brings to Jesus. Sometimes we just take the little bit that we have, and we give it to Jesus because God could do a lot with a little. Sometimes we just need to come and say, Lord, I don't have a lot, but I'm bringing a little. It reminds me of the story in Mark chapter 9 where this dad was so troubled by his son's problem. Just, his son just having a hard time in his life, just so difficult. And he comes to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, if you can... You can change this. You can make this well. And Jesus says back to him, kind of interesting, Jesus says, if I can, that's what he says to him, if I can, he says, if you believe, all things are possible. And here's what the man says, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Oh, that's how I feel a lot. Lord, I believe, but Lord, my stressors are really big. They're going to cost a lot of money, Lord. Lord, I believe, but, but help me in my unbelief. 
That's what he says in Mark chapter 9. So here's a, here's a boy who's coming now to this meal, and he's saying, okay, I'm going to provide, uh, I want to give this food to the Lord. God's going to do something big with the small that's available. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, oh, let me, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Now, the other gospel writers tell us this, that Jesus had a conversation with the disciples, and he told them, you guys sit the people down in 50s and 100. In other words, what he's saying is sit them in groups with paths in between so you can walk. And I'm thinking, these guys have not read the story yet. They don't know what's going to happen in John chapter 6. Like, we know what's going to happen. And so they're saying, okay. So they go around telling people, sit down and leave paths around. In groups of 50 and 100, leave paths around so we can walk. And the people are saying, why? And they say, I think we're going to have a snack here, I think is what they're saying. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus just said to do that. Sometimes we don't know what God's going to do because we haven't read the book yet. We don't know what the story looks like. We don't know what tomorrow is, but God lives in the tomorrow. Jesus knows what tomorrow is all about. And so we take the first steps that we need to take. Okay, I'm going to go visit the doctor. Okay, I'm going to put my resume out there. Okay, I'm going to save money or whatever it is that we're doing in in our challenges. We say, I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to give this to the Lord. I'm going to, even though I don't know the whole story, I'm going to go ahead and sit the people down in 50s and 100s. And so that's what they did. 5,000, it says. There were 5,000 men, which means that probably there were 5,000 women or something like that. And, and we know there's some kids there because we got one we're talking about right now. So maybe there's 5,000. There's a lot of people that are there. This is a huge crowd of people that God's going to feed. Jesus is going to feed all of these people. It's just amazing. It says that Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. Now, it says he distributed them, but he distributed them through the disciples. They're the ones who went and took the bread and the fish and gave it to all of these people. What a privilege. Wouldn't you like to be one of the people carrying the fish and the bread and saying, would you like some fish? Would you like some bread? Oh, you would like some more. I'll be right back. I can get you some more. And so he's bringing all this fish and bread. You know what amazes me? Jesus could have said, everybody move to the edges because I'm about to bring manna down from heaven like I did in the Old Testament. That's how he could have done it, but he doesn't. He says, I'm going to use people to pass out the bread and the fish. I'm going to use people to pass the grace on to other people. Oh, wow. God uses me, you and me to pass out the bread and to pass out the fish. When you teach Sunday school or you sing up here on the stage or you're uh, ushering or greeting or you're ministering, you get to pass out the bread. But sometimes people will come to you and say, oh, you're such a good usher or you preached a good sermon or you're such a good Sunday school teacher and we say, oh, I am pretty good, aren't I? We're just passing out the bread. The miracle's taking place back there. It's Jesus, the one who's doing the miracle. All we get to do is hand out the bread and the fish. I train biblical parenting coaches to work with parents using a remarkable system that helps children change in a short period of time. It's just really amazing to watch what happens. And I train these coaches. I just finished a training of coaches, and I had one person from Ecuador in there, one from Australia, one from England, one from Latvia, and two from Nigeria, along with a bunch of people from the United States. 
in this particular training. One was a psychologist and one was a psychiatrist who heard and saw this program and they want to use it in their practices. Every one of the people I'm training must work with a parent while they're in the training so they can watch this unfold. They're not just learning in a classroom, they're actually practicing it with parents. And the first week I say to them all, go find out the problems in this family. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. And sometimes people come back and they say, I'm over my head. And I say to them, that's how I feel every time I talk to a family. I'm over my head. <laughs> because people get into all kinds of, ch children have all kinds of problems. It can be really difficult to help people in the midst of that. But remember, you're not the hero in the story. It's the guy who's back there praying, and then, and then he breaks the bread open and the fish. All you need to do as coaches, you pass on the biblical principles to these people, and you wait, and you watch what God's going to do. And God works. God's grace comes through there. We are only the vehicles that God uses to pass on grace to others. You, in your family, are the one that God uses to pass on grace. If you're a young person, even a child, God uses you to speak grace into your family. If you're a young person, God uses you to speak grace into that home. If you're a, a mother, God uses you to pass on the bread and the fish, God's grace. If you're a husband, God uses you in that powerful way. We need to view ourselves as these disciples that God has entrusted to us the grace of God to pass on to other people. That's what's taking place here. I love this story, that Jesus uses people to pass on his grace. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When it says as much as they wanted, I, I'm just drawn to that verse. Uh, just imagine, you want more? Okay, I'll get you some more. In Ephesians 3.20, it says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. This is Jesus. Jesus loves to provide more than we can ask or think. Now, when I was a kid, I memorized this verse in the King James Version, when it, and it says there, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly more than we, I love those verses, exceeding abundantly, that, that's just really big. And you know, when I think about exceeding abundantly, I think about he wants to take us into the heavenlies. This is so great, he wants to do much more and big, but you know, sometimes what he wants to do in the midst of our stress is take us deeper, deeper than we've ever been before. He wants to grow us in ways we've never been able to grow before. He's going to take the stress points of our lives, and he's going to do miracles, and he's going to show us that he is the provision for our lives, that we need him in all that we do. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing should be lost. So they go out and they gather these fragments. I imagine they didn't use those small baskets. I imagine they used a basket like this. That's what I'm imagining. And they're going around and they're gathering the, uh, the leftovers and they end up with 12 baskets left over. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. I wonder how, many, how much of that food went in the little basket home with the boy leftovers that he took back to his mom to tell the story. In fact, I wonder what happened in that boy's life as he grew up. What happened? I can hardly wait to get to heaven. I'm going to say, where's the boy? The boy with the five loaves and two fish? I want to know his name, first of all, and what did God do in his life when he got older? We never know what God's going to do in the lives of these children, these children that are in the worship service now, that are down in Sunday school. 
We never know they're the, they're the next missionaries, they're the next pastors, they're the next leaders, they're the next uh, Christian leaders of our community. These are the people we're investing in. I wonder what God's going to do. We don't know. All we do is we pass on the, the bread and the fish. We ask them to bring the little they have to Jesus. We help them to grow in their own personal lives. I, it's just really big what God wants to do. But it says 12 baskets full, and there are 12 disciples, so I imagine probably that not a random number, that Jesus says, okay, guys, I, I just imagine the picture. Okay, guys, hold, hold, everybody hold their baskets up. I want you to see. You all got your baskets together? This is one of those lessons you don't ever forget, so much so that all four Gospels, they want to make sure this story's in there. And I, I think they would have taken a picture of the 12 baskets full with the 12 disciples there with Jesus right there. But the point is, they got these baskets. What are they going to do with all that food? They can't eat all that food, all the baskets full of left. The idea is God provides. You don't have to worry about the, the money. I know we, money's important for us to consider, but we get all tied up. We have to worry about the 200 denarii it's going to cost for all this food. Or we don't have to worry about how big the problem is. Yes, the problems are huge that we live with. We don't see the answers, but God is the provider. The point of this story is, whatever your stress point is, in the hands of Jesus, you can experience his provision. It's such a beautiful story. They gathered up 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign, it's called a sign in this passage, because in John's gospel, we're going to see there are seven signs, seven miracles John's going to choose. We're going to look at four of them as we look at chapter 6 to 12, four signs. Because as John is writing his book, he's thinking, I have a purpose here. I'm going to organize my book differently than the other gospels. There are seven signs, seven miracles. We're looking at four of them. This is one of them in John chapter 6. He also organizes his book by saying there are seven I am's, and we're going to look at five of those from in chapter 6 to 12. Because John has a purpose. He has a goal. He wants to communicate that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing in him, we can have life in his name. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said this, because they don't really get it yet. I think sometimes we don't really get it yet. We just want our stress removed. Lord, would you just Give us a solution to this problem where sometimes God wants to do something bigger. That's the problem with the people here. It says, the people saw the sign that was done. They said, this is indeed the prophet who has come to, into the world. We've been looking forward to this one. This is going to be the king. This is the king that we need, a king that can make food. We don't have poverty anymore. We don't have any problem with welfare. This is definitely going to be our king because he can take and manufacture food. We've eradicated poverty. We're going to bring him as a king, and that's why it says in the last verse, perceiving that they had, were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Why? Because he didn't come to be the king in that sense. He didn't come to just solve our stress points. Jesus came to transform our lives. Jesus came to do something much deeper in our lives. He came to do something for our souls. He came to do something for the sin problem that we have. It's not just about getting over our stress. It's about getting into something deeper that God wants for our hearts. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you, pray that God will take away your stress points. That's fine. I think it's good. But recognize that sometimes God uses those to draw us to himself in a way we never imagined because he is the provision. And the greatest provision that we have is the body and blood of Jesus Christ 
because that is the atonement for our sin. That is the provision so that we can have a relationship with God that is exceeding abundantly above everything we could ask or think. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.